Welcome to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm your host, John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Sarah Kaufman. She is Assistant Director at the Rudin Center for Transportation Policy and Management at NYU. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Sarah Kaufman. She's the assistant director at the NYU Rudin Center for Transportation. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Howdy. Super. So you're working on uh, transportation inside of cities. Is that right? That's right. How can we move people around more efficiently, um, and how will we do it going forward? Okay, so this is a big this is a big thing, and I've been I, I had a whole weekend talking to a bunch of people about this. Everybody and their dog is talking about uh, self driving cars that are going to be picking us up and dropping us off, and I wonder uh, what you guys at the Rudin Center are doing. Well, we are looking into driverless cars a bit, although it is a, a pretty crowded field. Um, we are looking into how cities might change when driverless cars start to come into cities. Um, it will be a while because cities are such unpredictable environments that it'll be several years until cars actually learn how to operate in such an unpredictable, complicated environment. Mm-hmm. And what so? And I, I, I just want to go pie in the sky real quick. But so, what happens if every car is driverless? Then that, does that change the face of the city? Have you guys been thinking in that in that space? Yes. If every car is driverless, then that includes, say, buses. Um, people might take public transportation a bit more because there won't be space for every single person in a city to take a, a private vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but if every car is driverless, we can dedicate less space to parking because we can send the cars to park outside of the city. And there won't be a real need for car ownership because we will be able to share these vehicles and have a vehicle go from place to place, from person to person, rather than actually having someone own their car that's parked 95% of the time. So how much of this is like a, a Jetsons fantasy because it seems to me that we've, we're talking about this an awful lot, but it feels like we might be talking about, I don't know, flying saucers in 1850 or something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's definitely um, coming later than is advertised, um, especially in cities where we have these complex environments. But it will be pretty coming pretty soon on highways. That's going to be a big question for truck drivers and other industries. Um where there are where there are drivers and vehicle operators, but highways are easier to manage most of the time. So we will see driverless cars coming there first, and then in smaller cities. But when we talk about large cities like New York, LA, and Chicago, it'll be a while. That being said, Singapore and some other places are already experimenting with driverless buses, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that the U.S. is really trying to stay on top of safety and liability issues. So that'll be, um, that will delay our adoption here. 
but it will be coming here eventually. Um, it'll be a big labor issue as well because it's unclear what will happen to all of our truck drivers, bus drivers, taxi drivers. In New York, we have about 150,000 drivers mm -hmm. of taxis, Ubers, Lyfts, etc. And we don't know what their future will be if drivers are no longer necessary. What what does your group uh, what is your group pro proposing in that front? Has, has, do you have any do you have any uh, thoughts on that front? What what is the solution? Well, there isn't one. Solution. <laughs> sorry to <laughs> sorry to put I you on the spot. Middle East peace next, if you want. What's that? Um, I can jump to Middle East peace next. If okay, you want. yeah, sure. Um, there isn't one solution for driverless cars, uh, but it's um, it is going to take time before they are are smart enough to drive in cities. Okay. So the, but so, so we have uh, to, so, we have, yeah. So we have to ignore the human problem until they become smart enough to, to right. do damage. And, and one car brand has already said that when the car, they have implemented the parameter that if the car has to d choose between its passenger and a pedestrian, you know, between mm -hmm. if there's a, a situation that arises, they will, they will take out the pedestrian, okay. um, to maintain the safety of the vehicle occupant. And if you're going to bring that to New York and you're going to start taking out pedestrians, there will be so many policies um, to prevent those cars from driving around because New York and other big cities are pedestrian cities. Yeah, that could be a problem. Yes. The, so I guess the... I guess the question here, what happens to a truck driver? Does a truck driver have to sit in the car while the truck, while the truck is moving, driving itself? Is there some sort of, is there some sort of alternative here for these guys? Um, the truck driver will probably have to sit in the truck um, and then handle the truck once it's in cities because mm -hmm. in the urban environment, it'll be more challenging. Um, but eventually when the truck can manage on its own, you know, hopefully we will have planned ahead and trained truck drivers and other drivers to perform other functions like vehicle maintenance mm -hmm. and um, or other other jobs managing the, the trucks or managing a garage um, so that there are still functions for people who were truck drivers. OK, so you're also working on, uh, I guess, paratransport, you called it. Yeah, paratransit. OK. Yes. And why don't you describe some of the work that you guys are doing with on that? Sure. So for any of your listeners who are not familiar, paratransit, um, as defined in the U.S., is transportation for people who are physically unable to use the mass transit system. Um, so these are people who are physically or cognitively disabled, and so they can't use subways or buses, and this is ruled by a federal mandate from the ADA. Um, so the problem is that once this program started in the early nineties, um, it hasn't been changed since. Mm -hmm. And as we know, none of us are traveling around like we did in 1993. Um, so right now, if you're a person who relies on paratransit, you have to call for a ride the day before you, you're given a two hour window for when to wait for the vehicle. Um, you have to stand outside and wait 
uh, which can be extremely difficult for someone who's disabled. And and then there isn't real-time information um, that tells you when the vehicle is coming or where it is. You might not be able to see it on a crowded street. So this is, these are all conditions that are not conducive to 21st century travel. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking into, we, we put out a report called Intelligent Paratransit in last fall where we talked about 14 kind of technology solutions that that could help with this problem. Another major problem is that it's hugely expensive. Um, in New York, it's about half a billion dollars a year sure. for an extremely inefficient service. So some, some things we could do are deploying smart home technologies or wearable technologies to help people summon the rides rather than making a phone call. Um, we could tap into app-based ride-sharing companies and taxi services. We can um, feature real-time information. We can experiment with things like Google Translate for people who speak English as a second language. Um, and we can develop apps for paratransit. And there are, are a lot of people who say they won't that people who use paratransit won't use apps. But as phones are becoming more and more accessible. Mm-hmm it will be more usable by this population. Okay. And so what we're doing now is we're looking into all of the paratransit trips in New York. We're doing a deep dive into the data of about six and a half million trips and identifying clusters of trips, um, comparing it to census data to see if it's a lower income um, issue with travel or if there's a, um, or if there's a correlation to subway stations that should be made more accessible because of a population around there. Okay. Interesting. So the, the, the self-driving part of all this would make, would make this whole, I guess, industry obsolete to a, to a vast degree, right? Because currently it's run by, is it run by private folks? Is it run by um, the city? It's um, private carriers who Mm -hmm. are contracted out by the city and state. Okay. So going back to all we talked about, what does the city of 20 years in the future look like? Um, Well, I have the optimistic view that a city in 20 years will have more automated functions so that services will be more streamlined. For example, trash pickups will be more efficient. Um, We'll have cars that can drive themselves, if not entirely. Mm -hmm at least in part, um, so which will give rise to wider sidewalks for better walkability. Um, we'll see more bikes around, people commuting more uh, efficiently. And we'll see more remote work for, for service roles and office buildings that can potentially be repurposed in the evening, um, which is something that we haven't done enough of yet. Okay. So the idea that the idea that we could that we don't have to have a rush hour anymore. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, I guess I guess <laughs> if, I guess if you had a self-driving car, you wouldn't actually you'd just be sitting in the car doing your work anyway. So you you could get to work anytime you wanted, really. That's right. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what will need to change uh, in a city like New York to make all that happen? What does the what do the roads look like? Are they the same? 
uh, are we improving something? Have you seen anything that, that would that would change the way that the, the city looks? Yeah, so um, we do need to re- connect our roads so that they can be they can communicate directly with vehicles. So we would need to connect roads and traffic lights um, and walk signals with our vehicles. So for example, if it's a red light and a car is approaching and not stopping, um, potentially that red light could activate the brakes in a car. Mm -hmm. That could really actually prevent a few deaths. Um, But what we really need to do is fix our mass transit infrastructure. Um, Cities are growing by huge numbers every year locally and across the country and the world. Um, And no matter how good the technology gets, if the bones, which are mass transit moving millions of people every day, are not functioning, we can't actually build smart technologies on top of them. Okay. So, so is it a, is it a, is it a do over when we, when we get to that point or is it a, um, or is it a retrofit? It's a retrofit, I think. So there's no there's no chance that we're gonna that we're gonna turn all the roads into some kind of crazy plastic or something like that that we can all uh, that we can all slip and slide on. <laughs> no, but we should think about um, using different road surfaces mm-hmm. other than asphalt. Um, for example, some kind of solar technology or a reflective surface mm-hmm. other than um, sunlight absorbing materials. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think the the mission here is that we're talking about an optimistic future. Are you optimistic about all this? I'm optimistic, perhaps to a fault. <laughs> what does it take to be optimistic about uh, this kind of future? Everybody has everybody's um, doom and gloom. We have we're about to hit a we're about to melt the ice caps because of all of our emissions, and and we still have uh, heavy casualties because of cars. What does it take to be optimistic in a space that you're in and uh, and think about these things? It it takes a lot of faith in policymakers to understand the technology and stay ahead of it, mm-hmm. which which has not been what has occurred um, in past decades. So hopefully going forward, people who make the policy can understand what they're doing. Um, and understand what the implications of buying into certain companies or certain vehicles might do for the population at large in the long term. What should a what should a politician do uh, right now to be ahead of the curve? Um, well, for one thing, following blogs and podcasts. Like, <laughs> um, but of course, they they should talk to experts in academia and industry. They should attend events. Um, Right now, it's really difficult for government employees to attend events that are not um, government sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And that's that's actually giving rise to a large problem because it really limits the knowledge base within uh, the government. So that's something we need to work on, as well as... um, providing added schooling and courses for people who make these decisions mm-hmm. and promoting ideas from within as well. Sure. That's, that's tr- So what's the, what are they required to, what are they required to do? Why can't they, why can't they go to these events? 
Well, it's just not government subsidized, mm-hmm. um, so people pay out of pocket. To oh, go I to see. So it so it can come out of a it can come out of a budget if it's a, if it's a special thing. Right. But it should not... be. I mean, and and not just pertaining to technology, but in all areas, it should be a priority to help our leaders learn and grow from new information. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you guys do some kind of like special uh, pro bono? courses for these guys? I would love to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, is it up to you? No. <laughs> okay. That's unfortunate. All right. Um, all right. Very cool. So where could people see more about your work? Um, our website is at nyurudencenter.com mm-hmm. and I am at sarahkaufman.com. All right. Perfect. Um, so thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you for telling us about the uh, the magic of the future city with all of its plastic roads and uh, <laughs> and happy people. Luck, Thanks, John. <laughs> this has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book chapter, blog post, or email shine. Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus.